0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the Sophos Naked Security Podcast. I'm Anna Braiding and I'm here with Sophos experts Paul Ducklin. Hello folks. Mark Stockley. Hi. And Matt Body. Hello. How's it going guys? What have you been up to this week? Shall I start? Yeah.
1: I have been playing with a YubiKey. Ooh. So I wrote an article uh, a couple of weeks ago about WebAuth and a WebAuthN uh, and Fido2 and I bought myself a couple of YubiKeys and I've been going around the web signing up for things. Uh
2: using it for two factor authentication and I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Hold it up so we can take a photo. Turn it the other way around so it can see the little button. Because you plug it in and it doesn't do anything till you press the button, does it? That's right. Just for safety. And I'm I'm finding it
1: much more convenient using than using uh the authenticator app.
2: It doesn't recognise your finger, does it? No. So I'm only using this for as a second factor, I'm not using this as a you can't just leave it lying around. You need to look after it, put on your key ring, keep it on your person, away from everything else. Correct. The good thing is that it is kind of like a what you call it? a hardware security module. In as much as if you get it to generate a private key, you can then get the YubiKey to do cryptographic signing with the private key. But you can't copy the private key out of the device. So if you smash or destroy the device, you know there are no other copies of the private key around. So all that problem where people accidentally upload their .ssh directory with the private key in to GitHub or something can't happen. So there are some quite cool features well worth looking at.
3: So this week, I have been working very closely with a prospective new customer to Sophos. They, they've had quite a quite a few problems over the past few months, and they only approached us recently and in i think it was in october they realized that each email account was sending out thousands of emails each day so by changing the the passwords to everything they restricted access to the bad guys into their environment but then the bad guys registered the same domain as theirs just with a letter missing uh and then via by doing that they were able to start sending out emails to their, their the customers of this relatively small british organisation to, 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 try and get them to pay the money to the wrong address after knowing so much. And so this is what's known as BEC, right? right? Business email compromises.
2: CEO or CFO fraud.
3: Yeah, precisely. They've now changed, they've changed passwords. They've implemented two factor authentication. So did they lose money? Not them, but they've lost a lot of customer faith in them. So don't delay. Get 2FA to today. That is a very good <laughs> slogan.
2: <laughs> Doesn't make it harder for the crooks. Yeah, absolutely.
0: What about you, Duck?
2: Well, I was hoping you wouldn't get round to me because I had a rather sad last week. Very sadly, my mum died last Friday. She had a long and vigorous innings, but like all good things, it came to an end. And I went for a long walk on the beach and was thinking about all the happy times I'd had with her and, you know, what she did in her life. And I was particularly pleased to recall that she actually was in the armed forces during the Second World War. She was a physical training instructor, a PTI, all four foot 11 and three quarters of her, as she would mm. op- slightly optimistically say. And believe me, she was a lot bigger on the inside than she seemed on the outside. So the passing of a World War II hero, if you like. So farewell, mum. I'll really miss you. But I just want to take this opportunity. She was in a care home for the last year and a half or so of her life. The carers who looked after after her, I'm not going to say where it was for privacy reasons. You guys are heroes too. Thanks for everything you did for me and my dad and my mum. I'm really appreciated. And if you know anyone who's a carer, give them a hug today. They do a fantastic job. Thank you so much. That's absolutely true.
0: Mm-hmm. How do we follow that?
2: You could always start with a company called Marriott.
0: We could. That was the big news last week, wasn't it? Sure was. So since 2014, they're saying that up to 500 million guests may have had their data stolen. That's pretty big. What's the deal here? My
2: understanding is Marriott, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, acquired a hotel chain called Starwood. And recently, they found out, as you say, for four years, anything under the Starwood brand Crooks had pretty much been privy to almost anything that happened in terms of reservations and payments. It's probably worth reading out. I've I've got it here. I'll just read from my notes the list of Starwood properties where you might have stayed, where your data could have been compromised. Starwood Hotels, W Hotels, St. Regis, Sheraton, Westin, Element Hotels, Aloft, The Luxury Collection, Tribute Portfolio, Le Meridian, Four Points, and Design Hotels, And what you may have lost is some, all or any of name, address, phone number, email address, passport number, loyalty card number and account information, date of birth, gender, check-in and check-out data and other reservation stuff, payment card number and expiry date. The card details were encrypted, but of course, it seems that the crooks may have made off with the decryption key that would let them make sense of that database anyway.
3: So this is a huge thing, and it's pretty bad. But they didn't notice for four whole years. This is something that I actually I recently got back. I'm still slightly jet lagged from Australia, um, where I. Struth! Struth, I agree. <laughs> um, and it, I had I had this argument with a with a, hotel, a relatively small hotel out there that was just a singular hotel on its own. It was owned like a bed and breakfast almost, where they wanted to keep my card details on their system. But you'd already paid, right? I'd already paid through yeah. a hotel picking system. When they when I arrived at the hotel, they asked for my long card number, my CVV, or whatever it is on the back, and then the uh, expiry date to be stored on their local. Relatively, I, I have no idea what the encryption is yeah. that they're using. I've got no idea how they're keeping that data, and I don't know. But you can see a Windows XP data. logo in the background. Yeah, precisely, yeah, that's reassuring.
0: So, in the case of Marriott. Um, so they potentially have taken all this data. What should customers do?
2: The best advice I've read about that, the cleanest and clearest, was at, actually written by our very own Mark Stockley, oh. who I'm looking at now on Naked Security. Very simply, obviously, change your Starwood password because you should. You might as well assume that the crooks sniffed that out of memory at some point if you haven't already. And of course, if you if you use the same password somewhere else, don't do that. Keep an eye on your accounts is the best thing you can do because you didn't do anything wrong. But if there are any fraudulent transactions, they would presumably show up on your account. And if you see them, if you see something, say something, the bank will act and you probably won't be liable. And most importantly, when something as big as this happens, it's reasonable to expect that the crooks will jump in on it. So, you know, do a spam campaign that says, as you will be aware, Merit's had this breach, blah, 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 click here. And they're also offering a free data breach monitoring service that unfortunately shares its name with some spyware. Isn't that right, Mark? They refer to the name of the service that they're going to
1: offer people for free for a year. Uh, and if you actually start signing up for it, it doesn't use that name anywhere. Oh, it's called something else. But if you go and Google that name,
2: yeah, you'll get offered lots of spyware for spying on your kids. Because that nearly caught me. Because you say in the article, don't Google it. So I thought, oh, Google it. So that must be the right one. Because it's talking about taking security seriously. And when I click through, it's, you know, why not put this software on all your devices and you can keep track of your children and you can monitor who's accessing your device. Hang on, I'm not in the right place. This is exactly the opposite. How is this going to help now? Just watch out. Look out for emails that might be trying to capitalize on the fact that there will be legitimate emails circulating. Marriott has put out some decent advice on the things they will never ask you to do in an email. So go and read that. Um, Watch out for your accounts and change your password.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I think, I mean, I I would say this, but I think the best thing you could do is go and read the article on naked security because that sets out um, what Marriott have said in terms of how you can identify an email that's come from them. You'll also find a link through to the website with the information on it. So if you if you get sent an email about this Marriott breach, you might get one from Marriott, but Marriott told the world they're going to be sending these emails. Yes, so, so,
2: and the world will surely oblige.
1: Um, yes, so you can yeah. expect that crooks will jump on top of that. So if, you're, if you receive, and it's not just emails either, it's emails or phone calls or messages of any kind. If you receive a communication from somebody who you think might be Marriott, go to the Naked Security website and follow the link through to their website, get one of the call center numbers and give them a ring and find out if it's true. What I thought was interesting about this breach is it it shows that one of the problems that we're we're dealing with now is it's almost five years old. And so, you know, we were talking earlier about what, what should you do and what should hotels do? But actually, what we're dealing with now is the consequences of what hotels should have been doing four and a half, five years ago. It's all very well giving people advice for what they should do from now on. That's important. But you can't give people advice about what they should have done. And they may have to pay some fairly serious consequences for doing that.
2: Yeah, if you're the kind of company that thinks the words out of an abundance of caution are in any way meaningful, then don't wait until something bad has happened and now you're being abundantly cautious. Apply your abundant caution now if you haven't already. And I think also within
1: the within Marriott's response, you can see how big organisations are learning from things that have gone before. You, yeah. can, you can almost trace through the Marriott response and see where they've learned from what happened from Equifax. They haven't learned all of the lessons, but it seems, you know, it looks to me like it's a, a slightly better way of dealing with it. You can also read into what they're saying that they don't seem yet to have a complete grasp of what's going on. So no, and how could they, given the scale yeah, of it? So, and the headline for most people has been, okay, 500 million accounts have been compromised or 500 million accounts have been breached. But actually what they're saying is, you know, 500 million accounts are at risk. So if somebody had access to the Starwood yeah. guest network. What they may have done with that access yeah. is unknown, but they had access
2: to do all sorts of bad things. And the fact that this is 500 million users... Don't let that blind you to the idea that anything smaller is kind of irrelevant. And that's all we have to worry about. If you think about Matt's story earlier, a small company that had a small breach that nevertheless has indicated to their customers that they're not doing security correctly. And those customers are now seriously thinking about taking their business elsewhere. It might not be 500 million records. It can be five records. It's the message it gives to your to your customers and your prospective customers that can be just as harmful. Yeah. We should probably move on, shouldn't we?
0: Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Shade.
1: Uh,
0: the next subject is about a bug in Kubernetes. What's going on? Is that here? how
2: we say it? Is it Kubernetes?
1: Well, Kubernetes.
0: Yeah, doc has been coaching me.
2: It's, it's basically, <laughs> if you think that K is like a G and B and V are very similar. So the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Greek word, ancient Greek word. And it basically, it's the same word that in English is governor. Gubernatorial in the US. That's, that's where the name comes from. And what it, what it means in this case is
1: it is the governor for container based apps. So before we describe the bug, we probably ought to do a quick refresh yes. on containers. Yeah. Cause they're not virtual machines, are they? Quite. No, they're, they're kind not, of they're mini very, no, virtual no, machines. No. <laughs> Your, yeah. The, the virtual machines is, is, um, you know, very last decade. So last season. <laughs> <laughs> Kubernetes is a governor for containerized apps uh containerized apps are apps that are packaged up into uh they're packaged up with all the things they need so if your application depends on shared libraries or you know access to the file system or something like so that, you might have apache
2: plus php plus libra ssl plus a few these scripts and those scripts
1: you can decide
2: to do it that way but it's you might decide to have each one of those
1: things in a separate container. Yeah. But they each have their own little bit of file system that they depend
2: upon. Right. Or you might have them all in one container. Okay. But the point is, whatever you... Oh, so you can have a container made of other containers. We'll get to that. Oh, golly. So I was... I was what could is, possibly go wrong? This is where I was attacking.
1: So to begin with, we've got our container. The container, or what you think of it as an app with its dependencies. And it's essentially a sandboxed environment. Okay. So it operates inside this container... And the app can do things inside the container and it has everything it needs to run
2: inside the container. So what what wraps the container? Is that Kubernetes or is that the operating system or is it the CPU or all of the above?
1: There are different container systems, if you like. So the most popular one is Docker. Right. So So Docker is the thing that runs the container. You can have systems that depend on multiple apps. So you might have a website that requires a web server, a database, something like that, and you might put each one of those things in a separate container. Once you've put an app in a container, it should run exactly the same way wherever you've got it. So you can create something in a development environment, and then you can put it through staging, and then into a live environment, and it will do exactly the same thing. And
2: that solves a very, very serious problem. All right, you won't, so that you won't have one lot of DLLs here, and then when you put it live, oh dear, it's all slightly different, and yeah. it falls apart. So if you use
1: multiple containers to get something done, you can combine them together into something called a pod, and then, for you, you might want to sort of scale up and down Ooh, by having. Degree in linguistics to understand all the <laughs> bits in the system. Um, well, the most popular container system is Docker,
2: and the yeah. Docker logo is a whale, and a pod is a Got collection it. of whales. And then, so they chose the whale as a metaphor for slimming things down to their <laughs> absolutely um, secure size, did they? And then the the pods run
1: on uh, compute nodes. So a compute node is the sort of virtual equivalent of a computer.
2: Oh, so you might have a virtual machine in there as well Yes, to run the pods. So,
1: so a typical setup would be you've got an actual physical server yeah. subdivided in with hardware virtualization that creates a number of compute nodes yes. that all think they're separate computers. Yes. And then on the compute node, you have operating system virtualization, which um, carves things up into a series of pods. And each pod is composed of a number of containers okay so everybody now understands what a container is
2: what a pod is and what and it's also complicated they need a governor just like california or washington or wherever they do so the governor is there to do
1: the automated deployment scaling management of these containerized applications and unfortunately the most popular governor of this kind kubernetes Has got a very, very serious bug in it indeed. So this is rated critical. It's got a 9.8 on the CVSS scale. Which means it's really, yeah, Mm -hmm. out of 10. So it, which means it's really, 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 really bad. So the bug in question is CVE 2018 1,2105. And it turns out that Kubernetes has got an API server component, an application programming interface over HTTP, which means it can work on uh, the web. The core of
2: security should be there. That's the, the front door.
1: Yes, it like. that's it. That's the best way of thinking. Okay, so the API server is the front door. And in this case, it seems that if you knock on the front door in a way that you know will generate an error, the door remains ajar. So once you're in... You're in. Once you're in, you're in. And there are, there are two routes with this bug. There are routes for normal users. So if you're already a user on this Kubernetes system, and you've got some sort of access rights to one of the pods... You can use this bug to escalate your privileges and essentially do whatever you like to any other pods running on the same compute node. So you log
2: in as, a regu- as yourself with limited powers. Yep. And then you give the secret knock to make yourself into, from a regular user into a super turbo full-powered user. And the API server, the portal, is none the wiser. Correct. So what can you do?
1: Once you're in there, so there's two routes in, I said. One was what you've just described. Yeah. The, un- the other is that uh, the default configuration for Kubernetes actually allows for a completely unauthenticated user. So just yeah. you can think of that as anyone on the internet. Uh, and there is a route through for unauthentic- or unauthenticated users to escalate their privileges as well. Why would you want an unauthenticated user at all? I think that's a question that they should have asked themselves several years ago. And maybe it shouldn't be the default. Your mileage may vary. Yeah. So once you've once you've escalated your privileges, you can essentially do all sorts of damage. So you can access any secrets on any of those pods. Um, so if they've got a database of usernames, you can read it basically. Yeah. You can deploy malicious code and um, you can alter services
2: that are running on the uh, compute node. So basically oh, that it's okay. You can <laughs> But it was responsibly disclosed and fixed. Right? Yes, as far it as was. We know.
1: patches are out there for uh, some people. The patches will have been automatically deployed. Yeah. If you're running Kubernetes, make sure you're patched. If you go to the Naked Security article, follow the link through to the Red Hat advisory. You will also find uh, mitigation. So there's you know the, the solution is to go patch. If for some reason the patches won't work for you in your environment, there are also mitigations that you can make. Because this could be a, this will be
2: a data thief's gold mine wouldn't it yeah this is bad
0: finally someone's hacked printers worldwide to print out pro pewdiepie propaganda that's hard to say what's the story
3: so uh there is a little bit of a war going on uh and the war is going on between somebody called pewdiepie and a youtube channel uh bollywood's youtube channel called t-series both of which have a lot of YouTube subscribers, and they're battling it out for the number one position of having the most YouTube subscribers. What is going on at the moment? At the moment, people are trying to drum up support by, for PewDiePie. Some people have purchased billboards uh, to try and say you should subscribe to PewDiePie and unsubscribe to T Series. You mean as in where you're driving along the freeway, and there's a the freeway billboard, and there's a PewDiePie is there. a dead man, precisely. But what? Somebody did was they went onto to Shodan and they discovered... That's the internet search engine for people who've left the wrong door open. Exactly. The internet search engine to be able to discover what ports are open on the internets. And what they've done is they've discovered that port 9100 is open on lots and lots of printers across the internet. HP JetDirect. Jet yeah. HP JetDirect. And um, and what they've then done is they've then searched for any vulnerabilities in JetDirect they then found something called something called pret pret has then allowed them to essentially um print anything that they want onto port 9100
2: really it should only be open inside your network and you can use it you can use it to control the printer but you can also send it a print job and print this thing out exactly it should so if you've got only... it on the internet somebody in another country can print anything they want on your printer
3: if you've got it on the internet then then you're possibly doing something wrong including printing out an advert yeah. Their favorite YouTube channel, precisely. So <laughs> oh, it's not here. Someone, someone else's favorite YouTube channel. So what? What somebody? Yeah. So what somebody has done is they have decided that they want to drum up some more support for PewDiePie. So on thousands of printers across the internet that had this port open, they've printed out a little advert for PewDiePie's YouTube channel, saying you need to subscribe. But also at the bottom it says in little writing, by the way, your internet, your printer's accessible from the internet. You should probably fix this.
2: Oh, so they. Kind of making out like they've done you a favour. I just have to, life. you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shouldn't be laughing, shouldn't yeah. you? So, so actually, no, it's not good. So, so actually and that's somebody's. 50,000, a- right? 50,000, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. My understanding is that they got eight, they found 800,000 printers open. Yeah. But figured, oh, well, that's too many, that, that's too hard. We'll just start so, on that That's too 50, much security advice. I'll just do the first 50,000,
3: yeah. and the other people can learn from the first lot. So wow. somebody's claimed this as well. Someone called the, the hacker giraffe, and in, in traditional <laughs> manner, they have. Um, firstly, they signed off the uh, the print jobs by saying, "From your your friendly giraffe." Yeah, I'm doing a long neck. You are. Place, you've got. Some, <laughs> yeah. It's not really working, is it? Yeah, well, it doesn't cat-y. come across well on on. Audio. Giraffes
2: <laughs> have the same number of vertebrae as a human. No way, They're just a bit bigger. Yeah, so their necks quite long.
3: So, so the this, this Hacker Giraffe character. I wonder if he's got a long neck. I, uh, well, possibly he does. You're baiting him.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It> sounds <laughs> an awful lot like you're baiting. Yeah, Come your, at me,
3: bro. Your yeah. printer is going to have some long weird stuff yeah. Up yeah. A bit later. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be
2: careful if I were you. Yeah, yeah. I'm know either
1: people on the internet could print my printer. Yeah. Yeah, we bought a network printer the other day. Yeah. And I received uh, a message from my wife explaining that we could now email the printer. Oh. Was like, Hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> if we could email the printer.
3: Dear at Hacker Giraffe, Mark's email address is <laughs> Dear at Printer Cartridge Selling Company. Better
2: send some more. <laughs> So basically, what do you do about it? I guess do not leave your printer on the internet unless that was your intention in
3: the first place. And how do you find out that your printer's on the internet more importantly, I think? Well, I guess the Hacker Giraffe used Shodan. The Hacker Giraffe did use Shodan, so you can possibly use Shodan too. Go to your, Shodan, type in your external IP address and it tells you what ports and what services are exposed to the outside world. So that's now, what a crook can see, right? That is what the crook can see. Now, what, what is quite dangerous about Shodan is that it can't, it's sometimes not entirely accurate because there are dynamic IP addresses in the world, which means your external IP address can change every so often. So if you see some results and you think, hang on a minute, I don't have a, a web server. A web and the server. server, yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> uh, then, well, that I, I hope I don't. Yeah, uh, then then you can verify it by use some, using something like nmap, or if you like graphical interfaces, zenmap, to be able to see for sure in real time what ports are open and what services are open to the outside. Now, platform. if you
2: want to nmap with network map
3: yourself, yeah. yeah, you
2: probably want to find a chum yeah. somewhere else on the internet. So that they can do it from outside your network. Yeah. where they're seeing what a crook would see. Cause or, Shodan could be it could be out of date. Yeah. I have somebody else's data. Or they might not have got round to you recently and that port could only have opened up yesterday for all yeah. you know. So Shodan is what the crooks think you're up to. Yeah. It might well be the truth. And then Matt actually goes in and probes
3: They does it live rather than having it cached from a from yeah. whenever they, their
2: scan ran. So in fact, so if you don't know how to do this, but you've got a techie friend who doesn't mind helping you, you could, they could actually help you scan each other's networks and you get a good idea of which ports are open. Yeah, precisely. And you might find things you didn't know, yeah. like Telnet open on your router by mistake. Bad idea. A universal plug and play open where you didn't expect it. Yeah. But certainly if your printer's there on a home network, that would almost certainly be wrong, wouldn't it? Yeah. And you could be up for an expensive Toner bill if you're not careful.
1: And if you find yourself on Shodan discovering that there are 800,000 printers connected to the internet,
2: resist the urge to send them all a message.
3: Yes. Don't don't print.
1: And don't
2: expect
3: sympathy from law enforcement or the courts if you try and get caught. The difficulty is, for for the Hacker Giraffe, he says in his tweets, he says, it took me 30 minutes to do this, to learn about it and then to print it. Which is Mm. this
1: idea that, oh, I've just discovered this thing, therefore...
3: I'm the first person to
1: have discovered it. And then I'm going to send everybody a message. But well, he's not even the first person to have sent everybody a printout on the internet. It wouldn't, you know, he did half an hour's research to figure out how to do this. If he'd done another half hour's research, he'd be figured out that other people have done it before. And that didn't get everybody to stop.
0: Right, that's about all from us this week. Thanks to Duck, Matt and Mark as ever. And thanks to you all for listening. Please rate and review our podcast if you like us. It helps boost us in the charts and allows other people to find us. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Naked Security. And until next time, stay, stay secure.
3: You were like a rapper there. Do you like it? That's super quick. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, like yeah. It. Is that your prime yeah. roots.